0: Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern to see what prop bet will be boosted. I cannot wait for the big matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 57. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code SOTS. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code SOTS. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply And if you or someone you know is dealing with a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be assessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. You have to be 21 years or older and have to reside in Louisiana. $200 in bonus bets, valid one per customer. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 bet, promo code required. $200 $200 issued as bonus bet that expires seven days, 168 hours after being awarded. Bonus must be waged one time and stakes is not included in any return or winnings. Super Boost, valid one odd boost token per customer after op in each day for eligible Super Bowl 57 prop markets only. hey what's going on it is yours truly tj jones and welcome to the gumbo pot sports podcast thank you all for tuning in really do appreciate your time and for those that are new yes i am the host and on this edition of the gumbo pot we're going to be talking about quarterback Derek carr and we're going to be breaking down the best landing spots for the quarterback and we're also going to be talking about new broncos head coach sean payton and him wasting absolutely no time laying down the law about what he expects going forward in Denver. But shouts out to everybody here right now. Uh, this is the Gumble Pie Sports Podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk sports, some of the hottest topics in sports, and we and we break it down. Uh, so shouts out to everybody that's here, uh, that's a part of uh, the State of the Saints podcast family. Uh, but we're going to be talking a little bit more Uh, about some of the biggest storylines that's happening right now. But let's go ahead and talk about uh, quarterback Derek Carr, because this is kind of significant to Saints fans, right? Derek Carr, uh, we all know that uh, Derek Carr uh, was benched uh, a couple games uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, the, The Raiders decided that they wanted to go in a different direction instead of them allowing him to finish out the season they decided to go to go with Jarrett Stidham uh, to finish up the season, and of course, uh, Derek Carr was not happy about this situation at all. Well, if you have not heard, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, they will owe him a total of forty million of them things. In other words, forty million dollars. Okay, if nobody decides that they're going to call up the Raiders and say, "Hey, we want to get Derek Carr off your hands." they're going to have to eat that (laughs) or they're going to have to release them. One or the other, regardless, this is the end of Derek Carr as a Raider. Now the Raider fans that I talked to, some of them are kind of upset about it. Some people feel like some of the things that happened with the Raiders isn't really Derek Carr's fault. And then you have the other ones, you know, the other fans of the Raiders saying goodbye, good riddance. Let's try to go and try to find ourselves a quarterback you know, you got Devontae Adams, we gave him to you. You got Darren Waller, we gave him to you. You got we got Hunter Renfro as a as a slot uh receiver, we gave him to you, and you still couldn't get the job done. And not to mention you got Josh Jacobs in the backfield uh to help y'all catching the ball out the backfield and running in between the tackles. So there are this this is a mixed bag when it comes to Derek Carr. But I can tell you what I see when I watch Derek Carr. Derek Carr is an extremely Talented quarterback. He's a guy that's extremely accurate. And I think that he can uh, change the fortunes of a lot of teams that are struggling to try to find themselves a quarterback. And we're going to be talking about some of those teams today. And I don't know if uh, some of you've seen this. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, I posted the top five landing spots for Derek Carr. And for those that may not, Uh, Follow me on Twitter. I hope that you do. It's (laughs) TJAYJones8. But if you have not, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put that up on the screen uh, so you all can see it. Okay. This is the Gumbo Pie Sports Podcast top five landing spots for Derek Carr. All right. Uh, I'm going to go uh, from the bottom to the Tizop. All right. We got honorable mention, the New York Giants. I'll mention, I'll talk about that a little bit later. You got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five, the Washington Commanders at four, the Jets at three, Carolina at two, and coming in at number one, we have the New Orleans Saints. So those are my top five landing spots for Derek Carr. And once again, I mentioned the New York football Giants. Now, let's go ahead and talk about why I decided to put those teams uh, together, right, and in that particular order. Here's the thing. I look at Derek Carr. I look at his skill set. I look at his ability. I look at some of the things that we have learned to know about Derek Carr when I came up to came with these conclusions about the landing spots where I feel like he would be best. All right. So let me go ahead and put that back up on the screen. All right. Let's talk about the honorable mention of the New York Giants. Now, last time we seen the Giants, the Giants were in the playoffs. Last time we seen the Giants, they were getting beat the brakes off by the Philadelphia Eagles. But the week before, they went into a hostile environment in Minnesota and beat a 12-win Minnesota Vikings team with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. But here's the problem. That was the best game that Daniel Jones probably ever played in his entire career. The bad thing about it is yeah, I mean, it was the best game that he played, right? It was, it was good and it was bad. When you have been in a league as long as Daniel Jones has and this is your best game, well, you've been in a league, what, four or five years. So I know there's a lot of question marks when it comes to Daniel Jones. And the Giants are going to have to make a tough decision. Are they going to make a long-term commitment to a guy that they're not really sold on? I mean, Daniel Jones can do some good things, but... Nobody is breaking down the door to try to acquire him. Like if he's on the street, a, a team might take a flyer, but they're not trying to uh, pilfer him away from the Giants. So the way I look at it, that would probably be a good spot. I mean, you know, you got Brian Dabo out there. He, his calling card is developing quarterbacks. We know what he did with Josh Allen out there in Buffalo, had him in MVP conversations. And you can tell that Josh Allen even took a step back once Brian Dayball left. And you have Daniel Jones who improved under Brian Dayball in certain areas and also the offense of the New York Giants. So if you was to add in a guy like Derek Carr, I, I think that that would be a good spot. I mean, we know that Derek Carr would be able to do some things because he's extremely accurate and he's a and he's pretty good. And if you put Brian, Dur- ba- Brian Dayball with him, I think that that would be a good matchup. So I would have to say honorable mention for the Giants. The only reason why they didn't make this list is because of Daniel Jones. And what are you going to do with him? I think that they're going to try to make some type of commitment to him. Now, they're not going to break the bank or try to throw, throw a whole bunch of money at Daniel Jones. But what they are going to do is try to make a probably a short-term commitment towards him to allow him uh, to be, you know, to be the quarterback that they want him to be. And maybe, you know, maybe next time, you know, the 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 contract extension may be a little bit longer and the money may be a little bit more, but we'll see. So that's the reason I put honorable mention on there. Uh, coming in at number five, I mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, they need a quarterback, right? The only quarterback that they have over there, well, they got two quarterbacks on their roster. They got Kyle Trask, a uh, former, A Florida Gator quarterback who's been there for a couple of years. And then you got Blaine Gabbard, former first round pick for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, back in the day. Uh, None of those guys are going to do it. I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans will probably say that these guys aren't aren't going to move the needle. Um, A guy like Derek Carr can come in and he will automatically become the best quarterback in the NFC South. Now, some people might say, that ain't saying much, <laughs> and maybe it's not, but his impact will be felt, right, if they were to sign him. The question is, who's going to be the coordinator? We know that they got rid of Byron Leftwich, right? You know, they parted ways with him. So who is going to be that guy? I mean, you got Ty Bowles, who is a great defensive-minded coach, uh, but they don't have an offensive coordinator. And the guy that they end up getting, is he going to be the guy is he going to be the guy to help Derek Carr? Will they, will they have a good, uh, you know, a, a good relationship? Will they have good chemistry? The offense that they will present, will it be good for the skill set of a Derek Carr? So even though the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they got a, a, a pretty good defense, you know, one of the top defenses in the league, you have to ask yourself, what are they going to bring in, and will it be a, a good combination? with that coordinator and uh, Derek Carr. Uh, coming in at number four, we got the Washington Commanders. It just seemed like every single year we're having this conversation about the Washington Commanders. Uh, they tried to get Carson Wentz last year and it just didn't pan out. They end up bringing in Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke gave him a little bit of a spark. He was more of a risk taker, a gunslinger. He made things exciting. I mean, he even had Washington Commander fans chanting his name in some of those games. But he ended up, uh, getting hurt. In comes Sam Howell, and I think if you watch the, I want to say it was the last game of the season, Sam Howell threw for three touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys. Some people would say that the Cowboys wasn't very interested. Some people felt like, you know, they were watching the scoreboard and seeing that the Philadelphia Eagles were winning, and because they knew that Philadelphia, if they were to win, they were going to win the division, they became disinterested, and they weren't trying to go out there trying to get themselves hurt. Knowing that they're about to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa on Wild Card Weekend, whatever you want to put it, all I know is Sam Howell looked pretty good. But are you committed to a guy that you kind of took a flyer on? Bringing in a guy like Derek Carr, uh, you got a lot of talent out there. You got Dotson out there. You got McLaurin out there. You got Gibson out there. I mean, you got you got a bunch of talented guys on that team. They're just looking for a quarterback to be able to give them the ball. And if the Washington commanders can get themselves a quarterback with that defense, with that defense that they have, I I guarantee you, they they can really truly uh, make some noise. And, uh, you know, Derek Carr coming in would change their fortune. Uh, That would make them extremely competitive in the NFC East. And you can argue outside of Jalen Hurts, that would make him the second best quarterback in the NFC East. So, That's that's the way that I'm looking at it when it comes to the commanders. And I'm pretty sure guys like McLaurin, who has been doing it quarterback by committee, would be glad to have a quarterback that he knows that can get him the ball and that can make plays uh, consistently. So the commanders uh, would be a good spot for him. Uh, Next would be the New York Jets. Look, we know the Jets that made strides, more strides. I mean, they made since what, 2000? Six two 2007 you know when they went to the afc championship game you know when mark sanchez was a quarterback and yeah you know they they found little bright spots along the way but it's been a long time since we've seen the jets in the playoffs and i i know that the fan base is clamoring they they i i feel so bad for jets fans and i'll tell you why i feel so bad because they were the biggest tease the first six weeks of the season like everybody thought that the jets turned the corner i mean you have you know, Garrett Wilson out there, wide receiver. You know, you got Elijah uh, Moore out there. You know, you got Sauce Gardner out there, who's probably going to be defensive rookie of the year. Uh, man, you you had all these things going for you, man. Breeze Hall, right? Breeze Hall running seventy three yards down the field. Then all of a sudden, Hall gets hurt, and it, it just things just kind of fell off the rails, right? You had Zach Wilson out there. I don't know what happened. It, all of a sudden, it was like. They were winning, and then all of a sudden, it, it just seemed like the the media just started to like pride and pride and pride. I I don't know. It's like the media just tries to systematically destroy the Jets. It is like they were doing really really good, but then all of a sudden, here comes a conversation about Zach Wilson. Like, yeah, they winning, but Zach Wilson isn't doing enough. Well, I mean, that kind of stuff right there. It, you you have to take it for what it is. Like, if they're not winning because of a great quarterback play, but they're winning like that's fine. But it just seemed like to me like they were really trying to cause dissension with the Jets and it worked because then, you know, they start peeling back the layers and then Elijah Moore inside the locker room talking about he don't get no targets. And that was it. They, 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 smelled blood in the water and they started to go on the attack. And the next thing you know, the Jets went seven and 10. So A lot of people feel like with Robert Sala as the the coach who is a really good defensive guy, if you get yourself a quarterback, then the Jets can be in contention. The AFC East is no longer ran by the New England Patriots like it's been over the years. And yes, the Buffalo Bills are one of the best teams in the league, but I think that the Jets feel that they can be as competitive as the Buffalo Bills because that's how the Buffalo Bills started. You had Sean McDermott came in, who was a defensive-minded coach out of Carolina, came in, fixed up the defense and then got his hands on Josh Allen and a couple more offensive weapons. And the next day, you know, they're running the East. So I think they feel like the Jets as an organization, they could do the same thing if they can fix this quarterback situation. It seemed like to me, like they're kind of washing their hands with the Zach Wilson experience. Uh, Mike White, uh, you know, he did some really good things. But the question is, will you trust him as a quarterback? And then you have you know, a couple guys that have been mentioned that would, you know, the Jets will try to go after one guy is Aaron Rodgers. Another guy is Derek Carr. Would this be a good fit to me? No, it won't be a good fit to me. Not because I feel like the Jets aren't, you know, going in the right direction. But for the same things I'm telling you about when it comes to the media, you got to have thick skin in order for you to be a quarterback in a New York market. See guys like Eli Manning, like, you know, they, they cool head, Luke. No, nothing too much bother them. You got to have a personality like that in order for you to thrive in the New York area. Because once again, they are some sharks out there, right? They're trying to get the scoop. They're trying to find the meaning inside of the meaning. And I just think that when it comes to Derek Carr, some of the things that we've seen and heard in the past about him, about his mental makeup, the toughness, uh, you know, people talking about he was crying when he got sacked one time you know, and all these different things like that. So imagine being in a New York market and maybe having a bad game that could affect your psyche. And we all know that you could be the toast of the town one minute in the New York market, and the next thing you know, they're trying to run you out of town with pitchforks and torches. So the question is, will he have the mental makeup to be able to sustain success or uh, try to have success in New York? I don't know about that. So I feel like the market itself may be a little bit too tough uh, for a guy like Derek Carr and his his makeup. You know, not to say that the guy is weak, not to say that the guy is soft, but I'm just saying it takes a a different type of cat to be able to be the quarterback of a New York team, right? You gotta have a certain type of personality, you gotta let things kind of roll off your shoulders. And he seemed like a guy that, you know, he, he don't allow a lot of things to roll off his shoulders. And the, those those fans are rabbit uh, rabbit and um so so is that media so I, I have to question that one uh the next would be the Carolina Panthers now between these two teams I'm gonna be honest with you this could be one on one a. the the top two teams that I selected the Carolina Panthers would be a great landing spot for Derek Carr. number one because they got Frank Reich. if you follow me, you know how I feel about Frank Reich. I think that Frank Reich is one of the best coaches in the league. I'm not buying that whole Indianapolis experience about how they fired him and all that kind of stuff. I mean, as you can see, what Jim saying and that decision was a disaster. So Frank Wright, I feel like, is a really good coach. We have seen time and time again he has developed quarterbacks that a lot of people felt that aren't very good. All right, we see him, car, him him, develop Carson Wentz the two, on two different occasions. The first occasion was in Philly. When Carson Wentz, before he got the injury, he was on a MVP trajectory. Then we've seen it again with the Indianapolis Coach. and he he changed up Carson Wentz touchdown interception ratio. I want to say Carson only had like seven interceptions that entire season with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh We've seen it with Nick Foles, right? When Carson Wentz goes down with the with the injuries to the to the knee, the ACL and the LCL, in comes Nick Foles, and Nick Foles not only plays at a high level, but he's Super Bowl MVP, right? So a, a true rags to riches story, and that has a lot to do with Frank Wright. And then also, you know, you, you got to think about the staff that he is trying to develop there. You know, he is doing a really good job at getting the right guys there. So we know that they need a quarterback. I mean, last time we seen Sam Darnold on the field, he was throwing 43 yards in a game. Like, what is this, 1952 or something? I, I don't know. So there's a lot of questions going on. I mean, you can you can talk about, you know, some of the younger quarterbacks that they have out there, but I, I don't think that a, a lot of people feel that the Carolina Panthers have what it takes in order for them to be able to get to the playoffs with the quarterbacks that they have on the roster right now. But if you bring in a guy like Derek Carr, we know that Frank Reich will be able to develop him and bring a offense to that team that is needed in order for Derek Carr to be successful. So he would definitely, once again, this is the NFC South, if he was to sign with the Carolina Panthers, it would make him the best quarterback uh, in that entire division as of right now since nobody has really made any moves. So that would be a good spot for him in Carolina. I think that they have some really good pieces on that team in order to help him uh, get get to a certain level and we all know if you got yourself a good defense a good running game and you get yourself to the playoff you got a quarterback that can make some throws anything can happen so definitely the Carolina Panthers would be a good landing spot for him and finally uh the number one uh team that would be a good landing spot for him would be the New Orleans Saints uh this is because of you know familiar territory for him you know Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr he drafted him you know he got him in oakland during the time even though even though dennis allen uh didn't last uh during the time when Derek carr uh, first got there he still made a commitment to him he was willing to put his job on the line for Derek carr and we know that dennis allen going into the 2023 season is on a hot seat so will he put his job on the line once again bringing in Derek carr look it can't be any, it, it can't be any worse than what has already been. The Saints ended the season seven and ten. You know, you had some quarterback issues. Uh, you had Andy Dalton finishing out the season. I think that you you can get better quarterback play out of that position, and Derek Carr would provide that for you. And then, not to mention, if if the Saints having Pete Carmichael as their offensive coordinator, who is known uh, for his work uh, alongside with Sean Payton. Andrew Brees. Uh, If you're trying to find a quarterback that's similar to that particular skill set, Derek Carr checks the boxes. Derek Carr is an accurate quarterback. Uh, He stands in the pocket. He can make plays from the pocket. Uh, To me, you know, he kind of reminds me of a younger Drew Brees, right? You know, he he doesn't scramble outside the pocket, will scramble if necessary. You know, it's not like he just standing back there just being a complete statue if if things were as You know, if there was some type of trouble or something like that, he can get out out the pocket and slide for a first down. Look, I I just think that you have to have, like, some level of athleticism. You know, like, if if the play starts to break down or the pocket starts to break down, you got to be able to run out the pocket, right, and and get a first down. But if if you are so adamant on making plays to a point where you can't even run out of the pocket, then I feel like that's a problem because – you got to be able to have the ability to scramble a little bit in today's NFL with these hybrid defensive linemen uh, slash linebackers that can make plays. And, and, you know, these pockets aren't going to last very long. It's not like how it used to be, right? You, you got these big old Great Wall of Dallas type offensive linemen. Man, these hybrid type defensive linemen out there, they can get to the quarterback. And you got to have an ability to be able to escape at least to try to get nine or ten yards if necessary. And Derek Carr can do that. And I think with the young talent that the New Orleans Saints have, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna add to that uh between the draft and maybe the the offseason, I think you can put some pieces around Derek Carr and the Saints can possibly uh be a playoff team. Defensively, if they can replicate some of the things that they seen they did last season, then I think that it they can make the playoffs, something they haven't done in the last two years. Uh, but that's my top five. Uh, I guess you wanted to call it six if you mentioned the New York Giants. But that's those are some landing spots I feel like that would be great for Derek Carr. Let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Uh, feel free to uh, comment uh, about the uh, Derek Carr situation and, and what you feel would be a good spot for Derek Carr. Uh, y'all can have Carr. He had a squad and a decent, uh, and a, I guess decent, and he lost his gig then quit on the team. Well, Jay, I don't know if he quit on the team or not. It's kind of hard for – it's kind of hard for me to say he quit on the team when they told him to go home, basically. You know, like, they they took the job away from him, and they took the job away from him because, you know, they they had a $40 million on his head, right? So if he was to get hurt between that particular time and the end of the season – they would have to give him $40 million. And why would you want to go out there and risk that? You're not going to make the playoffs. You you know, if you win or lose, you, you still ain't going to be in that thing. So why would I jeopardize all this bread to try to keep you playing so you can stat pack? You know, like I guess that's the way that they're looking at it. And these got, these teams, at the end of the day, you know, they got to look out for themselves. And I think a guy like um, Mark Davis, you know, uh, a guy that I feel like, you know, he, they they say he's not one of those guys that, you know, has a whole bunch of money like some of these other owners have. So I'm pretty sure he's trying to keep as much money in house as he possibly can. So I think that it, it has a lot to do with the, you know, the the price that was on his head in the contract. Like, why not? I mean, we, we've seen this before. Like, we've seen this with the Atlanta Falcons, right? You know, they decide to uh, bench Marcus Mariota to see what Desmond Ritter have. Like, we're not making the playoffs, and we, can pro- we can't can get any worse than what we had at the quarterback position. You know? And, and if even if he does go out there and light it up, it's not going to benefit anything. He can throw for 300-some-odd yards, but it's not going to equate to, you know, a playoff spot. So, I can kind of understand why they did what they did. I I think it's a combination of both. Now, could he have sat on a bench and been okay with it and all that kind of stuff? Possibly. But if you have been a starter on this team and the last time, you know, you had a season that didn't involve Josh McDaniel, you were in the playoffs, right? They were in the playoffs last year. They took on the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost, but they made it. So, you go from that to being benched for Jared Stidham? Like, I won't stay at home, too. Especially, like, if I know for a fact that I can beat this dude out in practice and the only reason, for the most part, they're benching me is because, you know, they want to save this money and they don't want to risk me getting hurt. Yeah, I'm going to stay at home. Uh, watch everybody and their mama going to want Carr. Know that the Saints name is affiliated with him. Uh, draft a quarterback. Let's see. Uh, honestly, picking up Carr for the right price after he's released would be a great strategic move because uh, we'd be saving all of our draft picks. Hmm. That's interesting. Stroll down a little bit. says, I wouldn't consider spending more of our future to try to compete when we have uh, Pete and uh, Dennis Allen in the building. If we're hired a new O.C., I think otherwise. Well, I just look at it this way. It's not like you're developing Derek Carr. I I know that you know when you look at some of the things. If, if you're a Saints fan, if you're looking at a guy like P. Carmichael, you're looking at player development. But this guy's like thirty-some odd years old, man. This dude has been in the league for about eight nine years. So it's not like you're gonna, you're bringing a guy in that you, basically just as green as grass, like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, if you will. This is a guy that's an a, a experienced veteran. You just kind of got to put it like a scheme around him, and, and I think that it shouldn't be that hard because his skill set is similar to a guy that you have coached for 15 years. So is is that not that much of a difference versus bringing in a young quarterback and trying to instill a playbook and, and concepts and a skill set around him? Like, I think it's a little bit different. You know, when you tell... The verbiage is probably different, you know, for a guy like Derek Carr. But, you know, besides that, I mean, he's he's a veteran. He's seen it all and he's done it all. So I don't think that that should be uh, an issue. Uh, Available quarterback uh, agent formula attached new to the Saints to drive up the value for your clients. Add the Panthers, Jets, Bucks, as Suitors. uh, Stir the boom. The price of the brick goes up. Well, I don't know if they're trying to stir the pot or not. and honestly it it really doesn't matter it it don't matter it don't matter at the end of the day it all that matters is first off he has a no trade clause right he can talk to other teams and the the Raiders have given him opportunities to do it but it's teams that they talk to first right so (laughs) so whatever direction he decides to go in well they gotta sign off on it. so regardless to like trying to up the price or not, it it really does not matter, right? If if these teams are negotiating with the Raiders, all that matters is what the Raiders want to do with it, you know, because as of right now, they're trying to work out trades. And honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. Why would you want to trade for a guy uh, and, and get that $40 million price tag on your team's head when you can just wait because you know that the Raiders' hands are pretty much handcuffed and more than likely they're going to have to release this dude if nobody calls. So that's a strategic move. So I, I think that we can talk about the price tag going up, but at the end of the day, the, these teams are smart enough and do they due diligence to know that, okay, let, let's just, we know there's a market for you. You know, we know there's a market for you based on your ability and we know the type of ability that you have. So, if he's asking for uh, X amount of dollars and it's too rich for your blood, then go about your business and draft a quarterback. And this is for all these teams, right? But I just think that some of these teams, you you have to look at the coaches. You know, a lot of these, these coaches are on a hot seat. Rob Asala on a hot seat, right? Dennis Allen possibly on a hot seat. I mean, based on like, you know, wins and losses and how the team looks. Like these these guys got to win. So my question is, you know, what are you be willing to do? And you know, can can you get it all together? Can you get this guy in the building? That should be that should be very very interesting. You know, but that that's the way that it goes. Um going to go ahead and uh switch gears. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Let's talk about new head coach of the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton, which is like one of the weirdest things ever. Like if you're a Saints fan, this is like the weirdest thing ever, like, uh, for real talk. Like, watching them up there with the with the Bronco logo in the background, with the with the navy blue suit, with the orange tie, like, you, you can talk about how Sean Payton left if you're a Saints fan. You can talk about all these things, and he quit on us and all that kind of stuff. But you have to admit, this is the weirdest thing ever, watching this dude have a press conference for a completely different team. I understand it's a business, but – This guy was, uh, he was the New Orleans Saints for about 16 years of his career, his coaching career. But, you know, the questions everybody had, you know, has a lot to do with quarterback Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had one of his worst seasons ever last season. Uh, Russell Wilson, I I still believe this, and I'm still going to say it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bow out because the dude is having a rough time. Russell Wilson is my favorite quarterback in the league. Right. I mean, I'm standing by it because I I like I like the guy. Um, Don't know exactly what happened. Don't know why it happened. But it just seemed like to me there's some things that happened between the Broncos organization and Russell Wilson. And they're trying to get him back on track. And the best way for you to do it is to get a no nonsense type coach like Sean Payton. Well, Sean Payton had a press conference. Uh, He talked for quite a bit. But then after the press conference, of course, he talked to the media. And one of the questions the the media, uh, you know, the media asked him was about Russell Wilson and some of the amenities that uh, Russell Wilson have. And uh, this is the response from Sean Payton. Um, Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a a personal coach Jake in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. How do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building, access to the players? Yeah, that's, foreign to me that that's not going to take place here I mean I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it but our staff will be here our players will be here and that'll be it uh honestly first and foremost uh, I don't believe I'm sorry I, I'm i sorry I do not believe that Sean Payton wasn't privy to Russell Wilson having all these amenities including the, the coach in the building the office I, I don't believe it I know he had to know like Sean Payton is pretty, he's pretty uh, dialed in. He knows what's going on. And the way that he has these conversations when he's talking to Colin and Kyle heard these conversations when he's on NFL on Fox, he knows what's going on. And I think that when you're talking about a guy like Russell Wilson, and have you been able to break down some of the things that has gone wrong with Russell Wilson and how can you fix it? You had to know that all this stuff was going on. But this is, Sean Payton laying down the law. And this is amazing to me how, you know, I got to give Sean Payton props on this. His ability to be able to, uh, you know, change it up. Like when he's an NFL analyst, like he's fun, he's, you know, happy, he's cracking jokes. And then all of a sudden when he gets in coach mode, he becomes that guy that we've seen uh, for over a decade. So I got to give him props on that. But this is a guy that's setting the tone. He's letting everybody know that there's a new sheriff in town and some of the things that are going on, I'm not going to tolerate. This is classic 2006 Sean Payton stuff going on right now. I can remember, uh, Reggie Bush was talking, uh, to, uh, I don't know if he was talking on, on Fox or he was talking with someone and he talked about going to the saints facilities and he was talking about music and games and fun and all that kind of stuff. And he talked about when he first got to the Saints uh, back in 2006 and how the New Orleans Saints were structured. He said, man, all this wouldn't have been going on, man. This didn't happen. This didn't happen. And, you know, he was talking about how dialed in they were and how it was almost like boot camp, getting the Saints prepared for that 2006 season. I think that Sean Payton is going back to the basics. He's starting from the ground up, and he's trying to reestablish a culture. Now, even though the Broncos have a rich culture, I mean, they won three Super Bowls. They're known for legendary uh, players like John Elway and Shannon Sharp and Terrell Davis and, you know, Ed McCaffrey and all these other guys that have come through the spot, Von Miller, but he is trying to establish a culture, a culture that needs to be reestablished. And this is how you do it. And you start with the, the head guy, the top guy. And when you're going at guys like Russell Wilson it's letting everybody else know that I ain't going to tolerate this from a guy who is making a majority of the money and he's supposed to be the star. And I'm not going to tolerate it from the other guys that are in here as well. So this is him trying to write the ship and I have absolutely no problem with this whatsoever because, you know, Russell Wilson didn't do this stuff in Seattle from my knowledge. So why should you be able to do this in Denver? This is a person that is trying to take advantage of the opportunities that, that are given to him, you know, and, and he's he's taking advantage of them. You know, like, you know that you don't need your own office. I mean, at least I hope you know. Like, you've been around locker rooms long enough to know that this type of stuff is not going to be received the right way. Like, you're not a rookie or something. Like, you're not just a guy who just came into the league. Like, you should have known this. Like, the, the dissension that happened when it was in Seattle with the Legion of Boom, and Russell Wilson, right? That whole Super Bowl call by Pete Carroll. So you should know that certain decisions that you make can affect the team. And I like how Sean Payton is handling this right now because it's the right thing to do. You know, Russell Wilson has bigger fists to fry. Like, honestly, having an office and having your own personal coach on, on site with you has not worked out because you have put up statistically some of the worst numbers that you have ever put up in your entire career. So it's about starting from scratch. It's about starting from the beginning. And if you do that, then I think that you should be fine. But I don't think that, honestly, I don't think that Russell Wilson's job is safe. I don't think that Sean Payton is going to just go into the season and say, Russell Wilson is my quarterback without bringing in somebody else that will compete with him. That is why I'm telling you, like, do not be surprised if Sean Payton goes out here and gets a guy, you know, like a Jameis Winston, that's somebody that's probably going to, you know, that's going to compete his behind off and push Russell Wilson. And if Russell Wilson doesn't, you know, be up to snuff, don't be surprised if you end up seeing a guy like Winston or seeing a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo out there, you know, taking his place because we know that Sean Payton is not one of those people who just goes crazy about draft picks and, they say, oh, just because you were drafted here or drafted there, like I'm just going to let you play. No, like you have to earn it. How many times have we seen undrafted guys, unproven guys under Sean Payton going to a game over a guy that's been a draft pick? And that's the way that you're supposed to do it. Russell Wilson should be given absolutely nothing. He should be able to earn everything. You should earn your spot, not just because you're making a certain amount of money. I mean – I'm pretty sure the ownership would be upset because they spending all that money and their money is on a bench. But my question would be to you, do you want to, do you want to win championships or do you just want, you know, this guy to be out here who is not the best option to be out there just because you paying them? I don't know. Like, do you want, do you, is that what you want? So I believe that, I believe that Sean Payton is not going to tolerate a lot of things that's coming from Russell Wilson. And I, I definitely believe that he knew that, and I'm pretty sure he's glad that that somebody asked him that question so he can let everybody know how where he stands with that. You know, that was a good question. You know, for for you know him to be able to set the tone and let people know because that was the number one thing on a lot of people's mind. What what was he going to do about that situation? What what was he going to do about some of the preferential treatment that Russell Wilson has and how he's going to be able to nip that in the bud? And he wasted no time. It only took him a day while he was in-house to do so. Uh, Zach Streif got out of town as soon as he could, and I can't truly blame him. Well, look, I think that Zach Streif didn't just run out of town. It was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for him to elevate as a coach. And we know that Zach Streif, if you don't know, Zach Streif has played, played right tackle for the Saints for over a decade. Uh, he was a really good player on the Saints offensive line. Uh, he was a guy who, uh, once he retired, uh, he was a play-by-play guy for the New Orleans Saints before he he wanted to go into coaching. And uh, he was an assistant to the offensive line, and he did that for a couple of years, and now he's getting an opportunity. I, I Look. This could have been the Broncos. This could have been the Panthers. This could have been the Jets. This could have been the 49ers. Regardless, it's about elevation. And I'm, I'm happy and I'm I'm proud of a guy like Zach Streif who's able to, you know, be able to do things on his own and, and be able to get his own staff together, you know, to help this this offensive line of the Denver Broncos uh, flourish. So I'm not mad at him. You know, I think this is a great opportunity. It it helps that you have a guy like Sean Payton who has coached you your entire career, you know, but I I think that Zach Streif earned it. And he he deserves to get an opportunity to elevate himself and and be offensive line coach. He's earned it. We're very clear to rebuilding the draft. A quarterback, our defense is getting old. We need to start building uh, Davis Jordan. uh, We need to get uh, their replacements. Paying car just keeps us behind. Yeah. I mean, that, that just, I mean, that's just—I mean—that's—that's one opinion. I—I I don't know, man. I just think that you know you can't win, and you're not going to win if you don't have a quarterback. I'm trying to keep this trying to keep this light, man. I'm trying to not make this so focused on New Orleans Saints football. Mostly, want focus on like you know th- like the Denver Broncos and this whole thing that's going on with Russell Wilson. I understand that the Saints have issues; they got problems, you know. Like we we talked about this, <laughs> you know, ad nauseum. Uh, but you know. When we look at, you know, some of these other teams in the league, you know, they got a lot of unanswered questions as well. And once again, the question is, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, can Russell Wilson get you where you need to be? And can Sean Payton get that last bit of greatness that is still inside of Russell Wilson? Can he get that out of Russell Wilson? Or is Russell Wilson just damn goods good in the Seattle Seahawks? So sold, sold the Denver Broncos a lemon because that's what he's looking like right now. You know, that's what he's looking like right now. He's he's looking like a lemon. You know, he's looking like a guy who has been polished the entire time, put the turtle wax on him, put the, put the tie shine on him, and set him out there in the in, <laughs> in the front of the yard, you know, in the front of the house, and people riding by and say, ooh, that's a nice car. You know, how much is that? You know, you, t- you tell him, okay, yeah, okay, now I- I'm going to pay for this. Then all of a sudden, you start that thing up. Hey, 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 hey. it don't go nowhere, right? Or it- it's good enough to get you home. And then once you put it in your lot, uh, in your parking garage, uh, you start it up the next day and don't want to start no more. So <laughs> that's what that's what the, that's what Seattle did to Denver. As of right now, it's looking very lemon limish. But look, I, I stand by Russell Wilson. I'm not going to say that you know I'm off the Russell Wilson bandwagon or whatever. I like Russell Wilson the entire time he's been in the NFL, and he's going through a hardship right now. So I believe that the combination of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson can be able to work because it has to, I mean, it got to work. If it don't, then they're going to have some problems out there in Denver, but I think that Sean Payton is going to be prepared. Uh, Jameis wanted to be in New Orleans and wanted to play for the saints. And y'all were like, nah, well, look, wherever he goes, uh, I think that he might end up in Denver. It wouldn't surprise me at all, you know, because look, Sean Payton likes competitors. He likes guys that's going to compete. And once again, Sean Payton is not just going to give a guy a job just because of who he is. And I am—I will bet that Sean Payton, I will bet you that Sean Payton will get a quarterback that will compete. I'm talking about really, really compete with Russell Wilson. And it would not surprise me at all. That if they were to go out here and get a guy like Jameis Winston, and I'm only saying Jameis Winston, because based on the draft picks, the money, all these different things, they're more than likely gonna have to get a, a free agent quarterback if they're going to uh, get somebody that be able to compete with them. Because look, based on their draft capital, you're not gonna be able to draft a guy that would be, you know, seriously uh, competing, unless you know you find a diamond in the rough, and they're out there. But unless you find a diamond in a rough, you're not going to find somebody that threatens Russell Wilson, like make him feel uncomfortable, you know? So you're going to have to find that and through free agency, hopefully, you know, a guy uh, like Jimmy G, um, you know, I don't think Jimmy G price tag going to be that high because you got to take into account the injuries uh, that he sustained over the last couple of years. I mean, you probably can bring in a guy like Wentz, you know, somebody that, you know, can give you a little something, but, you got to get somebody that's going to be able to push him. Because right now, I just think that homeboy didn't got too comfortable. He ain't got too comfortable, man. I think Russell Wilson will absolutely play well on the showing. The problem is the AFC is stacked. He's playing Mahomes twice a year and Justin Herbert. We haven't even gotten to Joe Burrow or Watson. Well, that's the reason why you play the game. And then, it, it, look, the Denver Broncos weren't terrible last year. Their, their defense was one of the best in the league. It was the offense that was holding them back. The offense was terrible, right? The defense kept on getting stops, stop after stop after stop. How many times have we seen like the games in which we've seen defensive players getting on the offense to make plays, right? You have to take that into account. Like No matter how great your defense is playing, if your offense can't move the ball, your quarterback not playing at a high, a high enough level, you're not going to win. So it's not like the Denver Broncos don't have what it takes to win. They got the right pieces. They, they got some really good players on this team. The thing is, you will never know it because of how bad and how inept the offense was last season. So these guys, like, if you get some players or offense that, that can work, it's not like you can't compete with a Mahomes. It's not like you can't compete with a Herbert. It's not like you can't compete with a Burrow. You can compete with all of these guys, but you got to be able to get the best out of the quarterback position. You got to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. If you can't do that, then you're going to continue to have these problems. But they have a lot of positive things going on in Denver. I understand their record doesn't reflect what I'm saying, but all I'm saying is they they got some pieces in place that they can be successful. I mean, it's not like they just got awful, you know? I think that Sean Payton will get them turned around. He'll bring the right people in to turn them around. Yeah, play calling wasn't good, and Russ will be better. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett and and Russell Wilson, that that just wasn't a good combination. I agree these defenses were balling. Uh, They were losing games 14-6. to Yeah, I mean, look, go back and look at some of the scores of these Denver Broncos games. Go back and look at some of the highlights, and you tell me who was the culprit, and you tell me was it the team, the, the defense or the offense? Tell me what it is. And I don't care how dialed in you are. Like, nobody and no no player wants to feel like they're hopeless. Nobody wants to feel like, man, I'm going out here, I'm balling out, and I just know that this quarterback about to throw an interception or this about to be a three and out. Like, you got to have comp, you got to play complimentary football on both sides. And that includes special teams as well. You got to do that. You got to do it. Cause if not, then you're gonna lose every time. Is Andy Dalton still on the books? Uh no, he's not on the books for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, he's he's a he's an unrestricted free agent. TJ, which quarterback uh you think is better, Dak or Derek? Um, I guess if you wanna say based on success, um I'm gonna have to go with Dak Prescott. I mean, Dak Prescott is one double-digit game is Dak Prescott has had multiple playoff appearances. Dak Prescott has done some things in the postseason to help his team win. I can remember Dak Prescott uh, playing against the Seattle Seahawks, fighting for 13 yards for a first down to seal the deal. So if I'm if I'm evaluating based on moments, based on uh, play, um, I'm gonna have to roll with Dak Prescott as of right now. But I don't think that is it is that far behind. Like, I don't think that if Derek Carr um, for the next three to four years, you know, stats consist of, you know, 35, 4,000 yards and a couple of playoff appearances that he won't end up being neck and neck with a guy like Dak Prescott It's not that far off. I mean, I just think that Dak Prescott has found uh, more success, you know, as a quarterback than Derek Carr has, but I don't think that is that far off, and also it's two different type of skill sets there. But I would have to give, I would have to give Dak Prescott the notch over over Derek Carr. Uh, but let's let's switch gears again. Uh, let's talk about the Senior Bowl. Uh, this past weekend, uh, I was privileged enough to uh, go to the Senior Bowl. Check it out, and there were some really talented players out there. And anybody that follows the Senior Bowl, you know that it's about Uh, Guys going out there, you know, a lot of guys are trying to solidify themselves as a a top pick, you know, a number one, a first round pick. Then you got other guys out here that are on the bubble, guys that, you know, probably were projected fifth, sixth round, go to the Senior Bowl, have a good outing, have a good week. Next thing you know, your second or third round pick, right? So you had some guys out there that was really making some noise. But you also have some guys out there that didn't do themselves many favors. Like didn't didn't do themselves like any type of justice, to be honest with you, you know, at all. You know what I'm talking about? Not like giving well, I'm talking about really could have possibly cost themselves like their name being called, period. All right. But I want to talk about some of the bright spots. I want to talk about the bright spots first. And then I'll talk about some of the guys that I feel like, yeah, you know. I don't know about that. But let's talk about some of the good spots. I mean, I, I got to start uh, with Ty J Spears, a uh, running back out of Tulane. I think he really helped his draft stock. I think before the, the, the Senior Bowl, they had him projected as a fourth or fifth round pick. I think based on his talent and his ability and what he showed at the Senior Bowl, I think he probably ended up being like a third round pick. And this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about when it comes to the Senior Bowl. Guys can elevate themselves and 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 really solidified themselves uh as some top guys and uh tajay spears actually did that I, I like the way that he runs routes and like he, he runs routes like better than i seen like most running backs right like, he he was really out there putting in some work um he has really good pad level he's a guy when you put the ball into his hands magic can happen And uh, he's not afraid of the moment. Um, There were times where we actually seen he was really good at pass protecting, even though I feel like, you know, I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to need a little bit more work with that. Um, There were some times where he had opportunity when he was running some wheel routes, uh, you know, ball kind of, you know, landed in his hands. He dropped it. There was a couple of times in the back of the end zone. He just couldn't come down with it. Those are the type of things I feel like, you know, you can kind of work on. And as you develop and become a pro You'll get better at. But he definitely elevated himself uh, in this senior bowl, being out there this week uh, or last week and really just stepping up and doing some really big things. So I think he really helped himself. Uh, the HBCU guys, um, by HBCU guys, I mean, Aubrey Miller and I, I, Isaiah Land, right? Isaiah Land, or coming out of FAMU. A lot of people looked at him. He was on the smaller side. He's like 220-some-odd pounds, about six two six three, And, you know, he, he's a guy that has a, a good first step, right? Question is, you know, will his body, you know, be able to sustain that NFL punishment being a smaller guy? But it's, it's not a big problem. I mean, you can easily bulk this dude up, like put, you know, 15, 20 pounds of muscle on him or something like that. and next thing you know, he's a freak of nature. Uh, he he really helped his cause. He got a sack in a senior bowl and uh, he, he really stood out throughout the week. And also Aubrey Miller, you know, Aubrey Miller, <laughs> if you looked at Aubrey out there on the field compared to like some of these other guys, like he looks small, like really small, but the guy's a thumper, like he is not afraid of the moment. He has a high motor. He's sideline the sidelines. And I think that, Whoever gets him, they're gonna have something special. Now, I'm pretty sure. Speaking of special, he probably gonna end up starting off on special teams, but that's okay. That's okay that if that that was to happen, because a lot of players end up starting out on special teams, and the next thing you know, you know, they they part of the starting rotation. And I think that might happen uh, for a guy like Aubrey Miller. Now, based on these guys' draft stop, at one time. I was, like, doing draft simulators and looking at the draft. I didn't even see Aubrey Miller or Isaiah Land name on there. Now I'm seeing both of these guys' names just appear on there as, you know, fourth-round, fifth-round picks. And I, I like those spots. And I don't think that would have happened if they didn't end up going out there to the Pro, pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl. I don't think they that would have happened. And I like the fact that they went out there and they laid it all on the line, and they did a really good job. They did a really good job. But another guy uh, that that stood out to me out there at the Pro Bowl was Ali Gay, um, the defensive man out of LSU. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen that, but in Senior Bowl, he got a sack. I mean, the way he came around that corner. But that did not surprise me at all. Like, if you watch this dude off to the side, I had opportunity. It was on a Thursday, Thursday afternoon. I checked out the practice. And they were off to the side the defensive ends and they were just kind of going over uh tackling drills you know like you know moving the cones out of the way and if you've seen Ali Gage like first step like <laughs> I'm talking about this guy was getting around those cones like with so much ease like it was just amazing like this guy is like a freakish athlete so it, it, it like him coming around that corner and getting the sack in the same bowl did not surprise me at all I mean this guy has like all the tools to be something special. Now he's still a little bit raw. You know, there there was there was a a man, there was a lot of these offensive linemen out here that was straight up pancaking these defensive ends. So there's some work that needs to be done, especially with a guy like Ali Gay. I still feel like, you know, he still needs to work on some of his, you know, some of his hand fighting. I think you know he needs to know how to learn how to use his height. But besides that. I mean, his athletic ability is going to get him where he needs to be. You know, he he is going to give him a good start because if he goes to the right team, then they're going to be able to build on, you know, the talent and abilities and athleticism that he possesses already. So those are the, those are the guys that I, I looked at as well. And there was another guy I want to make sure that I mentioned his name. It was running back Evan Hall. Now, I, um evan hole you know the running back i want to say he came out of northwestern big physical guy um you know he's a guy he's not gonna he's not gonna you know make you miss or nothing like that he ain't gonna hit you with the he ain't gonna hit you with the shady mccoy he ain't gonna hit you with the Reggie bush but he's a one cut back and he's a guy if you're trying to fight for extra yards he's a guy that if you hand off the ball something magical is gonna happen it was the first play from scrimmage of the Senior Bowl. They handed the ball off to Hall, and the next thing you know, he shoots up the middle. Now he got tattooed by Aubrey Miller, but it just shows you like his 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 vision, and that that's a plus. And you have a lot of teams out here that need that change of pace back, and I think he can provide that. Now I'm looking at him; he's probably going to be like around a fourth or fifth round pick, but if a team actually get them ha- get their hands on Evan Hall. Uh, if you combine him with somebody that has a little bit of wiggle, I think that you can have yourself a really good one-two punch. So those are the, those are the guys that stood out to me. And there's a couple more. You know, guys like Jonathan Mingo stood out to me. He was as advertised. Uh, You know, guys like Kenny McIntosh, I mean, he's as advertised. I mean, you got certain guys that, that you see, and you're like, hey, I'm not surprised. Now, if you're talking about Jonathan Mingo, Jonathan Mingo to me, you know, fits that mode of a, you no, know, he's like the DK Metcalf type. You know, the he's not as fast as a DK. Now, ironically, they went to the same college. But he's a guy that's a good possession receiver, and he and he really good at using his body to shield off those cornerbacks in order for them to make the catch. And if you're a team that's looking for a possession-type receiver, if you're looking for a guy that can be a good, you know, rear zone threat, you know, throw it up, 50-50 ball, come down with it, then that's the guy that you're looking for with Jonathan Domingo. Now, there's a couple guys that did not do themselves uh any favors uh, being out there, and one person in particular is Max Duggan, Max Duggan quarterback out of TCU. I have to admit, um, I was looking at practice and they were going over red zone drills, and Max Duggan was willing to deal, and he threw a nice pass in the back of the end zone. Uh, to a wide receiver i want to say to uh i want to say he threw it to Dell um out of houston uh but he ended up throwing the ball in the back and end zone i mean he put it in the right place and he went like three for three like towards the end of practice so that was my first introduction to max duggan in real time I and mean, i was like man this dude out here he looking like you know he might elevate himself like because if you look at the draft boards max duggan is supposed to be projected as a six-round pick based on what I've seen in some of the practices and you know what I'm saying some of the like the little scrimmages and that actual game I would be shocked is Max Duggan is drafted. like I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be a hater I, look I hope that I'm wrong I really do but it's just something about I don't know if it's just the bright lights I don't know if it's just you know the moment but he started off in his first nine passes he went two or seven. There was one pass that he threw. He had a wide receiver wide open on the, you know, the left, you know, the, the back of the end zone, threw the ball, you know, on the left hash, threw it down the field, wide open. He overthrows the guy. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the, the moment or what, but Max Duggan, to me, uh, really did not do himself any favors. Um, Malik Cunningham did not do himself any favors. Worst interception I've ever seen in my entire life was thrown <laughs> by and Lee Cunningham uh, in, in that senior bowl game, to be honest with you. I mean, there there was a, a couple more guys out there I you feel like, you know, they, they left a lot to be desired. But those two guys to me stood out because when, you, when you're evaluating a quarterback position, there are certain things that you're actually looking for. You're looking for poise. Uh, you're looking for decision making. I mean, you looking for you looking for confidence, man, and I'm just questioning these guys. You know, like you had you know, um what is it, called? bajent, you know, like the quarterback out of Shepherd, a small town, a small-time school in West Virginia. Uh in Virginia, excuse me, in Virginia. And this man went out there and he played better. Now, he's a decorated guy, he's from Division 2, but my thing is you guys, like, especially Max, like, last time we seen you, I mean, y'all was getting, y'all got the brakes beat you off, y'all, but you was in the national championship game. So I just think that there's there should be certain skill sets that you possess. Now, I can make an argument for you, okay, you went up against a team that has four- and five-star athletes all over the place. I can, okay, that's fine. But what happens when you're actually throwing to guys that are four or five stars and guys that's going to be NFL-ready players, and you're still not giving them the ball. I'm just confused about what I'm seeing out of Max Duggan. Now, a team is going to take a fly on him, and they should. They should take a fly on him. I, I would. You know, like, I ain't about to have him as my starter. But there's something that is missing from Max Duggan, in my honest opinion. In my honest and humble opinion, there's something missing from this guy. Uh, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I uh, mention a couple guys. Uh, Clayton Toon out of Houston, the quarterback out of Houston, he did a good job. I'm just looking at my notes. Uh, Eric Gray, uh, the running back, who I feel, you know, as a Saints fan, this is as a Saints fan for me, I feel like Eric Gray will be a good fit. He kind of reminds me of Mark Ingram. He, he kind of fits that mode, you know, like a guy who can catch the ball out of backfield. Like later, like later, in Mark's career, because when Mark uh, Mark Ingram first got to the Saints, he had issues at pass catching, catching the ball at the backfield, and he later on became a better pass catcher. Now, I'm I'm a little concerned with the pass protection, but the thing about Eric Gray to me, when it comes to his pass protection, I feel like a lot of the issues that he has, you can fix them. Like you can fix them if a team takes that time, and they you know and work with him. Then he can be a really, really solid back for you. Um, Nathaniel Dale out of Houston, um, who I feel like is probably going to go into the second round. He had a really good, he had a really good um, senior bowl. Uh, Luke Musgraves uh, out of Oregon State, who I feel like probably going to get drafted in the first round. I think the draft boys got him projected as a as a second, as a second round pick. I don't know about that, but every time I seen him out there, he was flashing. I mean, he, every. Every time, goal line, one-on-ones, he was making plays. So somebody is going to get a very, very special tight end if he gets to the right place. Uh Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, Uh they got him projected as a second-round pick. Uh I think that he's probably going to end up being a first-round pick. That, that's just my honest opinion. I mean, he's a tackle, who I feel like they're probably going to end up sliding him into the guard position. So I think he can play either or. Uh, And I, I think that more, more than likely a team is going to make him probably going to make him a guard. Um, Osiris Torrance, who is going to be a first-round draft pick. I agree with that. Um, Tyler Steen um, out of Alabama, who really stood out to me um, I, when I was watching the offensive line uh, actually go through drills. I mean, this guy's big, phys- physically imposing. Man, there's that, a lot of great – there's there's a lot of talented guys out there, and I can see why, you know, they they were out here and they they got that invite. Uh, Will McDonald uh, out of Iowa State, uh, they got him projected uh, as a, a second round pick. Uh, he's a guy, you know, he, he's raw, but I think that his talent, you know, and his athleticism, you're probably going to, he's going to end up starting out like having a really solid season if he's end up being a starter on a team. But, you know, he's probably going to end up being a late first round or early second round pick. So uh, those are some of the guys that stood out to me. Those are some of the guys that stood out to me. I think that they're going to make uh, an impact. It depends on where they go. Uh, some of these guys are probably going to end up getting drafted late and they're going to have to work their way up. But for the most part, I think that based on where they were when they first got out there to the senior bowl and them being in the senior bowl and going through those practices, they have elevated themselves and, I think these teams have got a better look at, at who these guys actually are and not just, you know, looking at, you know, Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay's sheet before they do it. Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett are both going to go undrafted. Well, when you are getting drunk in Dallas, that, that's not helping your your cause, especially like since people thought you was undersized already. You know, the last moments that they had were was you, you know, setting all type of championship records with touchdowns. So if you would have just kept it at that, you would have made these teams have a tough decision. And even if you didn't get drafted, then teams probably would have been calling your phone real quick. Now, I'm not saying that they won't. I think that you still get opportunity. But I just think that based on this, you know, you're already going to be projected as being like a fifth or a sixth, even a seven-round pick. But now after this, now they got something over your head. Not a good look for Stetson Bennett, but Max Duggan. I'm just wondering to myself, you know, are, are the lights a little bit too bright uh, for the TCU quarterback? Uh, Shouts out to brother TJ. Keep on keeping it real, bro. Uh, LOL family, who that? Yeah, thank you, uh, Reginald. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. Let's see. Uh, we don't want Carr. We want Lamar Jackson. I think a lot of people want Lamar Jackson, including the Baltimore Ravens quarterbacks i wouldn't mind a local uh, kid not getting much notice is lindsey scott fifth or sixth round reminds me of Russ coming out i mean there's a lot of guys that's going to be undrafted and they're going to have to prove themselves but i think that i mean we see this all the time we see guys who don't get drafted or they get drafted really really low right i mean not really really high i should say you know a high draft pick Six, seven round, and then all of a sudden they come in with the bigger chip on their shoulder and they elevate to a level that nobody expected. If you're a Saints fan, I mean you've seen Rasheed Shaheed, right? You know, Rasheed Shaheed came in uh you know in that game versus the Cincinnati Bengals, and the next thing you know, now he's one of the best receivers they have on the team. So that I mean, nobody he didn't hear his name called on draft day, but he's a very, very important part of uh the Saints offense and possibly be very very important to their offense going forward. Uh with the first pick, what defensive tackle would you take? What defensive tackle would I take? I mean, that's without man, that's a no-brainer. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter out of Georgia. That's a, that's a no-brainer. That's definitely where I'm going. I mean, this guy's a freakish athlete. So, if I'm if I'm talking defensive tackle, I'm definitely going with Jalen Carter. I mean, this guy's a very like I don't know if anybody's, you know, I don't know if you've watched him, but he's a special player. And somebody's going to have themselves a, you know, they're going to have themselves a, a diamond, you know. I don't I don't think he's going to be like Sam Donald, not Sam Donald, Aaron Donald or anything like that. But I do feel like, he, you know, he's going to make an immediate impact. Uh, Allen uh, from the skins, uh, we need to go after the top free agent. Um, Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, all all I know is they there's some very very talented guys in this draft. You know, there's some very talented guys in in this NFL draft, and you know they got some talented guys that's going to find new homes that's already in the National Football League. Uh, that's that's the way I look at it. Uh, my people in Vegas telling me AK41 is going to do six months of jail time. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's uh, the case. I mean, we'll see. I don't want to just put. I don't want to just put stories out there. Like, I I would rather just have a wait and see approach. I don't want to just throw somebody in a clink, you know. <laughs> uh, let's see um, who that OG uh, Jared Paul. What do you like Spears? But I uh, think Gibbs is better. What do you think about it? Look, I think that I think that both guys are talented, but every, like I think Spears is going to get an opportunity based on like he him being on the lips of a lot of scouts a lot of nfl fans i think that he's going to get opportunity i think he elevated himself too and i look he gets in he gets on the right team he gonna make some he gonna make impact i don't know who he's gonna go to but if he goes to a team and he has like the right coach like the best fit for him to me if he can find his way to the rams because I don't know if Cam Akers is going to come back. We all know about the situation that happened early in the season. Cam Akers going home and nobody really heard anything else about that. So I don't know if he's going to want to come back to the Rams or not. Uh, so if you can get a guy like that with Sean McVay as your play caller, man. And and it, he, he'll he be available around the time they pick. So this guy can end up being, you know, a... Uh, Albert camara type player but we'll see we'll see hopefully we save money and draft the quarterback uh start rebuilding uh our defense that's what's needed to stay uh a staple for us will help a new quarterback out tremendously well that's anybody you know the reddits you know the new orleans saints the carolina panthers uh any team that that has a young quarterback their best friend is a good defense and a good running game you know that, that's, you know, that's the a great combination uh, of, you know, to help a, a young quarterback develop himself into being, you know, what he, he needs to be. Uh, if you go in and then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> you go in and then all of a sudden, like, you got to be the is-all and the be-all of a team. And if it don't pan out, they can mess with your confidence. I think you help build a young uh, quarterback's confidence by putting a good team around him. Uh, Hooded Jupe, thank you very much for five dollars Speaking of senior bowl what was your thoughts On hooker I know you took a pick with him Had a nice convo Seemed like someone you want as our Quarterback yeah you look I, I think that Hendon hooker is a, a Talented quarterback I think we all Know that but he's a really personable Guy and talking to him You know his, his confident Level and how he believes in himself uh, You know I mean Because at the end of the day If you've been evaluating and looking at a guy, you know he got talent, but you also want to know what his mental makeup is. And this could have easily been one of those situations where he was like, ho-hum, woe is me type stuff. But he was out there very personable, talking to everybody, uh, going like talking about some of the things that he actually seen on the field. He is a guy that I feel like in the right situation, he can thrive. I, I think that a, a lot of draft scouts and evaluators aren't really talking that much about him is because he's hurt. And, you know, you, you have a guy who has an ACL injury and, you know, teams are trying to go with the best available. But I, I do feel like if he would have finished out the season, then, you know, all this third round talk, second round talk, we, we wouldn't be talking about it at all. Um, first off he was snubbed for the Heisman I don't know how in the world he didn't make the trip I, I knew he got hurt but he, he put up enough numbers for him to be in that conversation but I do feel like he has the confidence in a mental makeup to be a franchise quarterback now once again it depends on the spot all these all these guys and their and their you know potential has a lot to do with where they go but i don't think that he if he doesn't succeed in the national football league it won't be because he lacks confidence i can tell you that right now tj we better take TyJ spears with the 40 uh second round pick i don't know if they'll do that or not and quite honestly i think the saints got bigger fish to fry than to go after a running running back that early in the draft now <laughs> if it's the running back out of uh out of texas all right, by all means, right? You know, like draft him. Like I, I wouldn't mind. Like you get him, you know. But if it's like, you know, somebody like Ty J Spears, not I'm not trying to disrespect the guy, but I just think that you you need something better. You know, you I won't say something better, but you got bigger fish to fry than that, right? And, and also you have a running back like that that have that that possesses that same similar skill set. So you would have two guys on the roster with the same similar skill set. Now, I know some people argument would be, well, Alvin Kamara going to be serving like six, eight game suspension, but he's going to come back eventually. And then what you're going to do? You're going to have two running backs with the same similar skill set. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the Saints need, look, for, for the time being, uh, I think the Saints need somebody that, that can be that every down back for the time being, right? That they, they can get the majority of the snaps. that don't really have to leave the field, kind of like what Alvin was, right? And then when Alvin comes back, you know that can be a complimentary back to Alvin, and they both can be able to be out the backfield, uh, you know, collectively. So I don't know. I, I think that I I, I want to see this. I want to see this guy thrive. But we know if Alvin was to come back, then his production is more than likely. Uh, going to fall off you know like it, it's going to fall off and I want to see him be able to maximize his full potential I don't want to see him having to come out because the Saints want to give Alvin his snaps and we all know when the, when it comes to the money they want to see their 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 prize possession on the field more so than somebody that's on a rookie deal how much or more you think have Jordan and Davis have in the tank well based on this team they got more in the tank than some of these younger cats. I mean, you ever hear about them getting hurt? You ever hear about them not missing I mean missing games? There we go. Gibbs better uh, receive better receiver uh than Spears, but Gibbs uh not making it uh this is the second round. No, he's not at all. No, no way. Yeah, he, he's a talented guy. Ronald Curry, Street, uh Richard, uh, yep, it was a plan from within. Well, I mean. If we're talking about the New Orleans Saints and their coaching staff, I mean, Sean Payton was the one that hired him. So it's, it's well within his rights to uh, allow those guys to go with him. I mean, he, it was the, it was his guy. So why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he do that? I don't have a problem with it. I don't think you should have a problem with it. I mean, they, these guys got to work somewhere. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to. Make sure I read a few more, then we'll get up out of here. If I'm Carr, I wouldn't choose New Orleans. Absolute uh, chaos with the staff, but the other places are just better cities. Saints will always have trouble attracting free agents. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I think that. Uh, I think that they shouldn't. They ain't gonna have problems, and I don't think they have chaos. There is no chaos. Here's the reality, man. Dennis Allen as the head coach of New Orleans Saints, did not select his own coaches. And now, now that we see that we can't, you know, as as a team, the New Orleans Saints can't go to being, you know, under that whole Sean Payton regime, it didn't work. So allow him to get his his own staff. I have no problem with that. I have, as a New Orleans Saints fan, I have no problem at all with him selecting his own guys. I don't consider that chaos. I look at it like he didn't he didn't hire any of these guys. And it's only right for him to be able to hire his own guys. Period. So I don't consider that chaos. Now we're going to talk about it not being a attractive destination spot. If you're a defensive player, it is. All right. Um, but that's the reason why you have to count on your general manager. You have to count on your scouts to be able to bring guys in. I don't care about free agents. I'm going to say that again. I don't care about free agents. I don't. Because in my honest opinion, I don't think that teams become successful because they get a bunch of free agents. I don't. I think it takes like maybe one, maybe two free agents that'll get you over the hump. And the rest of it should consist of guys that you drafted, period. You know, because I don't feel like that's long-term sustainable success. Long-term sustainable success, if you have the right people scouting these guys and you're drafting them, and these guys are young, and you get the best out of them on rookie deals. Going out here just trying to attract free agents, like just because they got a name, um, I'm good on it. You know, I, I'm I'm good. I, I I think that you can get one or two guys. Like you look at you know the Saints getting Demario Davis in free agency. That was a good pickup. But for the most part, you know, guys that that made an impact during that particular term. What guys that they actually drafted, or they got as undrafted uh rookies or undrafted free agents, right? I mean, Trey Hendrickson, they drafted him. They talk about Alex Azzalone all you want to, but he's a captain on the Detroit Lions team. I mean, you have Cam Jordan, homegrown, right? Dave Anyamada, homegrown. So you, you took guys that you developed and you added some guys like DeMario Davis and Even with Malcolm Jenkins, that's homegrown too. Even though he left for a while, I mean Marcus Williams, that was homegrown. Marshawn Lattimore, that was homegrown. Alante Taylor, well he playing, that's homegrown. Paulson Adebo had a little bit of a down season, but that's homegrown. That's how you develop your team. That entire offensive line, that entire offensive line for the exception of James Hurst is homegrown. So. That's how you build a team, in my honest opinion. I don't care about free agents. I don't. One or two free agents, you know, fine. But looking at a bunch of guys, oh man, we need him. We need him. I'm good on that. You 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 draft guys, you develop your players, and that's how you have long-term success. That's what's gonna get the Saints. That's what that's what's gonna get the Saints over the hump. If guys don't want to come here and it's not an attractive spot, then make it an attractive spot. How did The Saints were in an attractive spot once upon a time. Like, nobody wanted to come to New Orleans. New Orleans was a place where dreams come to die. Seriously. right? Nobody wanted to play for the Saints. But all of a sudden, Drew Brees is the quarterback. Sean Payton is the play caller slash coach. Man, it's a pretty good spot. I know I'm going to get my touches. I know I'm going to get my touchdowns. I know I'm going to get my yards. And I know I'm going to get my money. You know, I'm going to get all my incentives. So there you go. We are going to be so bad. I don't know if the Saints are going to be bad or not. I don't know if they're going to be bad or not. I'm not putting that energy in there, and I wouldn't want to put it in there if I'm a fan. I just started to listen today. A couple of comments, Amy Trask and Keenan Lewis warned us uh, about Allen when he got hired. Uh, next, look how fast Street ran out of here. The minute Peyton called. is telling. That's not telling at all. That's not that, that. That's not telling at all, total sports. You know, well, total truth. You know that that's that's not telling at all. What what's being told? What what is like? Honestly, what is being told? I I don't know. Okay, let me give you an example. You working at a job, right? And that job is giving you a hundred thousand dollars a year. Sound good, right? Then all of a sudden, you get home and you get this email. And somebody said, you know what? I've been watching you work for the last two years, and I think that you've done an extremely good job. I would like for you to head up my division, and we're going to pay you $300,000. Where you going? Where you going? It's a better job, better opportunity, elevation. You're going to leave. This guy was an assistant offensive line coach. Assistant offensive line coach. He getting hired as the offensive line coach, meaning he is the guy for the offensive line for the Denver Broncos. That is a promotion. That is a promotion. So that that ain't telling at all. That tell me that that man looking out for his family. That tell me that that man want that money. That tells me that he wants to grow as a coach. That's what that tells me. That has nothing to do with with that. That has nothing to do with Dennis Allen. That has everything to do with the fact that it's elevation. If Ronald Curry was to leave and become the offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos, that is a promotion. Is he supposed to? He's the guy behind the guy, right? He's he's the guy behind Pete Carmichael, he's the quarterback coach, right? Why would why would I want to sit over here and whatever quarterback that comes in being his whisperer? for you know nobody really knows i exist then to go to a team if they succeed offensively that's a better chance for me to become a head coach it's called elevation man that's not telling at all that tells me like i said that tells me that these guys want to be great it's no different it's no different total truth if you just get promoted from your job was it personal no it's better money i can take care of my family you know, I can get I can get a nice house. You know, I can be able to, you know, save some stuff. You know what I'm saying? I can be able to invest. I can do all these different things. You know, I can help put my kids through college. I can, if my co- kids are young enough, I can start a college fund. It's, it's about elevation, man. It's about, you know, growing. And where these guys were, they were in lower level management, if, if I can use that example. And now they're getting promoted to, to upper management. I think we ought to be proud of these guys instead of just looking at it like from a from a controversial standpoint. I mean, I, I don't look at it that way. Saints are going to be uh, good once we draft Hendon Hooker and a running back. We good. Well, I also think they need some help on the pass rush, to be honest with you. Uh, I just gave you a huge shout out on my latest video, and I meant every word of it. TJ, thank you for being a friend, traveling down the road and back again. My heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. Now, Josh, if I threw a party, you invite everyone you knew. (laughs) And you'll see that the biggest gift would be for me. (laughs) And then they have a card attached to say, thank you for being a friend. Shouts out to Josh, man. Some of y'all don't know what the heck I'm talking about, but that's the theme song from Golden Girls back in the day. Uh, Let's see, if Curry goes to Denver, we get compensation pick, right? Yes, he, yes, 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 we do. Yes, we we we, we will get, well, the Saints will get, um, yeah, they will get a a, a pick. So yeah, that, that would be a good thing, right? Let's see, welcome uh, to Allen's world. Uh, he has no coaches with no Super Bowl experience. He's a loser. dang tell him how you really feel. Before, and look how it turns out so far. Allen will disappoint again, and uh, who hired him? Man in the mirror. Well, all all I'm saying is I, I get the I get the frustration if you're a Saints fan, but that's not. Yeah, you know that's not ruining the experience for yourself. Just you know, expecting the worst. Let's just see where it goes. You know, I don't want to see him. I don't want as as a New Orleans Saints fan. I don't want to see these guys fail. I don't want to see these guys fail. Um, it's just that simple. Sean's still hooking it up with picks. And then on top of that, I mean, the the guys that he's bringing to his coaching staff, I'm talking Sean Payton, those were the guys that he hired in New Orleans. So why wouldn't those guys want to go back to the guy that got them interested in coming to New Orleans in the first place? And then on top of that, as a Saints fan, we all were upset. At the offensive performance. So I'm not I'm not tripping on some offensive players leaving if they weren't giving us what we wanted. So I I, I don't know. Let them let Dennis Allen appoint his own guys and let's see where it goes. Damn uh who that nation, the doom and gloom, ain't it? <laughs> I mean, we we look, this ain't even the state of the Saints, and everybody just talking about it. This is the Gumbo Pie Sports Podcast. You know, like I I I'd rather talk about New Orleans Saints stuff. You know, at another time, we've been talking about. If you just joined us, we talked about good destination spots for Derek Carr. Uh, we talked about uh, Sherman Payton uh, laying down the law in Denver. And then we talked about a little bit of the senior bowl. Uh, I want to, uh, I guess, the final thought uh, I guess we talk about a little bit of basketball. Of course, we know uh, LeBron James is about 30 points short of uh, breaking Kareem Abdul Jabbar's record, which is a record that stood for man for a very very long time uh I don't know look I wasn't old enough to appreciate Kareem Abdul Jabbar's greatness uh I think that Kareem Abdul Jabbar uh was a mixed bag you know some people felt like you know he was like really dialed in um some people questioned like his treatment especially like when young kids come up to him and stuff want to take a picture sign autograph he was he was kind of you know dismissive with him uh but the guy was a great player I mean Brought Mil- uh, Milwaukee a championship, bought the Lakers a championship, was very instrumental with the whole Showtime Lakers thing. You know, when Magic Johnson came along, you know, some people felt like he was snubbed, you know, from a NBA Finals uh, MVP. Uh, he ended up getting hurt in the Finals and Magic Johnson went off and they ended up giving MVP to Magic Johnson. But the guy solidified himself as arguably the greatest basketball player that ever lived. I mean, Luell Cinder, you know, he dominated at UCLA, got to the league, and dominated there. And now you have LeBron James. And look, regardless if you are, you know, a Michael Jordan supporter, you know, I, I grew up watching Michael Jordan. That was my guy. I love Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan, everybody wanted to be like Mike, right? Everybody wanted to be like Mike. Everybody was, you know, outside on the blacktop singing, sometimes I dream, <laughs> That yeah, he is me. Got to be, that's why I dream to be. Boom, 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 boom. I dream I grew. I dream I flew. Like my... Everybody used to sing that, right? But, I mean, LeBron, this is LeBron James time, man. And LeBron James, this man came into to the league, what, 2003. And he was as advertised. It's, it's very, It's very hard to find a guy who they hype up, say he going to be the biggest thing since sliced toast bread, and it happens. And now this guy is about, what, 32 points away from becoming the all-time leader in points in NBA history. I mean, a lot of things have to go into effect in order for this to happen. I mean, you got to win a battle of attrition, right? You got to win a lot of games, right? And you got to do a lot of scoring. And that's exactly what he does, you know? So I got nothing but respect for LeBron James. LeBron James is a great ambassador for the NBA. And, you know, people may not like the guy. I I mean, I don't know. I don't don't know why people don't like it. I think think it has a lot to do with the whole Michael Jordan thing. Because, you know, everybody, like, if if you, like, around my age, like, you've seen, like, the greatness of Michael Jordan, and you've seen what what the NBA was. And then when Mike came, he just grabbed it and just like, man, okay, y'all won't to go to the next level. I'm, I'm going to take you with me. Like, here we go. And then all of a sudden it's like LeBron comes along. He kind of re- the recipient of that. But the man is a very talented basketball player. And he, he definitely top three greatest basketball players of all time. And this right here is about to leave people. Absolutely. It's about to leave no doubt. So I'm actually going to watch it, man. I'm not the biggest basketball fan in the world, to be honest with you. I watch it during playoff time. I don't keep up with the stats and scores and all that kind of stuff there. Probably one of the main reasons why I never did a basketball podcast. But I'm going to watch this, man, because it's some some things that you want to be a part of. Like, everything, everybody remember the late great Kobe Bryant's 81-point game, right? And I'm pretty sure a lot of people weren't watching, and then all of a sudden people were like, man, Kobe's snapping. And everybody just turned their TV, right? No, Everybody, you know, can remember, like, Michael Jordan game six versus the Utah Jazz. You know, there, there are some moments in, in basketball history that you remember being a part of. I can remember, like, one of the best moments I remember when I think the Pacers and the Knicks, uh, the Knicks was going to the NBA finals because Larry Johnson hit a four point play. That was like one of my favorite uh, moment, NBA moments of all time. Like he ended up shooting a three, get fouled, and, and, set up like a four point play and the four point play put the Knicks in, in the finals. And of course, like all those classic matchups between the Knicks and the Bulls, man. So, but when you look at moments like this, man, you want to be a part of it. So, Regardless the way you stand, like whether you like Michael Jordan, rather you support LeBron James, rather you feel like LeBron James, the greatest player of all time. You want to be a part of that because it's a record that has stood out for our, what, almost 40 years, if not 40 years. And, you know, you got to say congratulations to the brother, you know, because it took a lot for him to be able to get to this point. And at the age of 38 years old, he's doing something that's very, very special. And, you know, he, he gets props from me. He gets props from me on that. Uh, Jordan is the reason players today are getting more athletic, and Curry is the reason everyone shoots threes. Look at the uh, bigs uh, trying to get that shine. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the game evolves, right? You know, it used to be like back in the 80s, everybody was like, you know, trying to be close to the hoop, you know, skyhook, Kareem, uh, Magic, you know what I'm saying, with the skyhook, baby hook, you know, then, then all of a sudden, Akeem Olajuwon came along, you know, here come the fadeaway. Jordan came along, here come the fadeaway. You know, the mid-range game was on at an all-time high. And then all of a sudden, here comes Vince Carter, everybody trying to dunk. You know, everybody you know, everybody trying to put them weights on, they, on self and stuff like that, be jumping, trying to get them calves right so they can jump out the gym. And, and then LeBron, you know, he kind of joined that with the slam dunk. And then as time went on, here comes Steph Curry. And everybody want to shoot threes. Oh, yeah, I, I, gotta rem- I can't forget about Allen Robinson with the crossover, right? And then you got the whole and one thing. Everybody took about 20 years to shoot the ball. Y'all remember that, right? I, I'm not the only person that used to play hustle or 21, and as they call it in certain areas. We called it hustle in New Orleans. But you know, I was the only one that played hustle and be playing with somebody who put the ball in their shirt and trying to spin that thing around and drop it on their back you know, and all this kind of stuff there. Only for them to miss a shot after 20 seconds of ball hawk. But all these different areas have got us to this point. And um, it's a magical moment that's going to take place. So I got to get a dude props on it. I got to give him props. Brian Brian got something to say about that. Messi, Jordan, Brady, Ali, Gretzky, and Woods, the GOAT athletes. I agree with that. You know, I agree with that. Got to throw Pele up in that thing too now late late Pele may he rest in peace I hope we get Carr and wait for the right quarterback to draft for our future well if the if the guy is the future and you feel like he's there then draft him. by all means uh the the two best offensive players of all time are Michael and Dominique and I honestly think Dominique was slightly better on the offensive side of the ball Look, I think Dominique Wilkins was, was talented. And I think we all remember, well, I don't want to say we all, some of y'all, some babies up in this thing, but the classic slam dunk competitions between Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan. Those, those were some magical times right there. And, uh, you know, you throw a little spud web up in that thing too. You know, that those, those, those was classic right there. I hope uh, we flunk the year and get a high pick for a quarterback. Michael Jordan is truly the greatest basketball player of all time still. All I know is his impact is still being felt. People still wearing Jordans today. Jordan didn't play basketball in what twenty-one years, and people still wearing Jordans. I don't see people wearing Magics or Birds. You know, you might see somebody roll out with some Bo Jacksons or something like that. But Michael Jordan has been making the same shoe in a different color for the last twenty-one years, and people still buying them things like they like he like he just stepped off the court and dropped fifty. It's amazing. It's amazing how, you know, Michael Jordan has, you know, has impacted the game. It's amazing to me. Like, you got football players wearing Jordans. You got football players wearing a basketball player shoe playing football, you know? I mean, to say that this guy has an impact (laughs) in the world, not, not just a generation, the world, you know? You got kids out here that want Jordan, and if Michael Jordan passed them in the street, they want not know who he is. Like, like, you got kids out here six, seven years old. I want some Jordans, Daddy. I want some Jordans, Mama. And Michael Jordan can walk right past them, and they won't even know who Jordan is. And they still want to shoot. Kareem abdul Jabal, thank you very much for the $2. said LeBron about to have himself an unfortunate accident. <laughs> Uh, that's dirty. Man about to he about to put a, uh with a Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Hardy thing, huh? Got to do a Tanya Hardy on her. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> Y'all who, who remember that? You remember the figure skaters uh Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Hardy back in the 90s and uh Tanya Hardy hired some dudes uh, to hit uh <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan in the leg <laughs> and she was on the floor. <laughs> why, why? That <laughs> <it> was dirty. <laughs> Man, she really wanted to win that gold medal, man. But she ended up, you know, of course, she ended up getting banned from the Olympics. That was horrible. But it, it was on every, it was on everybody TV though. Every Saturday Night Live in Living Color, everybody was making fun of that that happened, even though it wasn't funny. I mean, they broke the lady ankle, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I almost did. What's up, TJ? Have been absent from the show for a lengthy amount of time. From working a lot, but also for over 35 years of being a Saints fan, I just need a break from this team. Well, Damien, you come to the right place because we're actually not talking about the New Orleans Saints. This is the gumbo Pot sports podcast. Okay, so we're not just talking about the New Orleans Saints. We're talking about <laughs> we talk about sports in general. We just finished talking about LeBron James breaking his record. Um, and we're about to pretty much you know close it out. Because LeBron got actual basketball shoes. Um, no Kareem, uh, don't do that, man. LeBron, that fam. <laughs> a lot of athletes are psychos. I don't know where we get that from. Um, yeah. I mean, but that that will to win, that, that burning desire to win, sometimes it can take you to levels that are kind of dark. All uh sports wear Jays, even the team Jordans is a hit. Yeah. That's 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 the most amazing thing, you know. Like tennis players, like man, you got track athletes, you know, getting wearing Jordan cleats, you know. I, I I didn't got out, I didn't I didn't got out the uh, you know, I didn't got out the Jordan game. Like people were like you know, I, I still wear, you know, I still wear them. I definitely like you know, get some for my son. Yeah, man, y'all know how it is, you know. But um. I I really don't have the desire of getting Jordans like I once did, but he did transcend, man, he did transcend sports. Like even you got a lot of the the younger generation that don't like Jordan, Jordan this, Jordan that, he ain't this, LeBron that. There would be no LeBron James if it weren't for Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan, what did he say? Michael Jordan had to uh, walk so LeBron James can run. And now he's running all the way uh, to the all-time record. So, shouts out to him. Uh, but thank you all for checking out the Gumbo Pod Sports Podcast. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for your questions. Uh, feel free to subscribe to the channel, uh, YouTube.com, so the State of the Saints Podcast Network. Uh, here you can get shows like the Gumbo Pie Sports Podcast. Uh, you'll get the Therapy cows Podcast and also the State of the Saints Podcast, which is the, the Cornerstone Podcast, of course, right here on this channel and uh, also i'm asking you to check out the state of the saints podcast network facebook page uh go to facebook.com search the state of the saints podcast network and follow me on twitter at tjayjones8 uh, previous episodes are available on apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, and anchor fm uh, thank you all for tuning in and until next time i'll see you down the road